Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello and welcome to this special summer series of Monsters Who Murder. Yes to our American friends. It is summer here in Australia and we are having some time off. But we've recorded a, a few episodes to keep you going over our Christmas and New Year's break. I'm Rob McKnight and I'm joined by the serial killer whisperer Amanda Howard. Hello Amanda. Hello Robert. I'm loving this summer series. Indeed. Um... I really enjoyed our last episode on Soderman, uh, so I can't wait to see what we've got next. It's an interesting series, and those who are playing along at home know that the free podcast subscription service um, through your normal podcast feeds are coming up every fortnight. But our Patreon subscribers, no matter what tier you're on, will get the episodes as soon as they become available. So you can decide whether you binge them as they come or whether you space them out every two weeks. It's completely up to you. But we will be back with a brand new season of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions, in early February. Because that's when we're all back from holidays. <laughs> yes, some of us are going overseas for a trip of a lifetime, Robert, aren't we? New Year's Eve at Disneyland, uh, watching the fireworks, which is also my eldest, eldest daughter's 13th birthday. Um, spending some time in LA, Las Vegas, the Grand Canyon, uh, Redwood Forest, uh, San Francisco, uh, Hawaii. So, you know, very, very tough holiday, Amanda. <laughs> And, and we'll note, guys, that Robert's having a holiday from no job. <laughs> <laughs> so, I needed a break yeah. from not working, yes. <laughs> supposedly. I'm working through. I'm working everything but the public holidays. So. This is the first time I have done a holiday like this. I have yeah. not. Um, oh, I don't begrudge you, darling. I, I have never, as you well know, any yep. holidays I had were always at the last minute and they were always two weeks maximum. I've never done anything like this, so I'm... Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So anyway, enough about me. Let's get into the let's get into today's case. Who are we examining today? Well, Robert, today we're doing Thorniss Christensen. Now, I have seen his name as Thorniss NIS, and I've also seen his name as Thor's Nils, but I cannot confirm either way, but we're going to go with Thorniss here. Mm-hmm. Now, he is an American serial killer who murdered at least four people between 1976 and 1979 in California. His method was to shoot his victims dead so he could have sex with their bodies. At the time, the case caused huge outrage and on his sentence to life, he feared for his own life um, because he had killed these beautiful young co-eds. The threats were in fact real and only a few months in Folsom State Prison, he was stabbed to death in the exercise yard in March 1981. Surprisingly, no one was ever charged with his death. Mm. So who was Thornis Christensen? 
um, with where the name like this, he was actually born in Denmark in 1957. Obviously, he's not a, a typical American. Um, he has your typical Nordic looks. He's blonde haired, tan skin, um, and he emigrated to the US at the age of five. And his father ran a restaurant business. It was actually during his late teens that he went from being a fantastic a grade student to discovering drugs and getting into the wrong crowd he dropped out of high school his grades were dropping and he actually gained a lot of weight so he went from this surfer looking man to this overweight depressive sad guy and he actually began to have quite violent sexual fantasies that included shooting young women and raping their dead bodies so this is where it, it began for him which is exactly what he started doing um let me ask you a question. Where where did he shoot them? Was it in the head? Was it in the chest? It was in the side of the head. So presumably there's a lot of blood that goes with that. It's pretty gory then to try and have sex with that body. Yeah, well, it's not really about the head. So that's the mm-hmm. issue. So um, he would often pick up his victims hitchhiking and once he sort of had them in a secluded area, whilst they're talking, he would just go bang and shoot them. It, it wasn't a planned, it wasn't like, um, you know, he was abducting them. They had no idea what was coming when the actual attack happened. And um, if it is a clean through and through shot, which we'll find out didn't always happen, um, there isn't a lot of blood per se because the heart does stop beating. Okay. But, it's still, but it's still not pretty, that's for sure. I guess I just thought that it's in, it, it depends what you're after, I guess, which is hard to get into the mind of, and that's why we have you here. But when we look at Soderman last, uh, last episode, he would strangle them to death. And then, so I guess you've still got the body in the most preserved way um, that it could be when you're raping it. But the idea mm-hmm. of shooting someone in the head and having to deal with all that strikes me as odd. If you're, what's his fantasy? Because you mentioned the fantasy was shooting in the head. I just wonder why that is a fantasy. It's it's part and parcel of he he had gun fantasies like he he was obsessed with guns and so um, this was part of, of of the fantasy to to be able to put the gun barrel against a, a a woman's temple and pull the trigger it's like an ultimate I'll say bad boy but it's 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 worse than that but it's that moment of you know, I, I have this power and it's over in an instant. So mm. it's he like I don't even think most of them even knew what was coming. So that there is no attack back. There is no um, attempt to survive. It's over before they even know it's begun. So who was his first victim? His first victim was Jacqueline Rourke. Now, she disappeared on November 20, 1976. Uh, she had actually been hitchhiking when she, she was picked up by Christensen. And like I was saying, he was driving along and just suddenly shot her in the side of the head. Um, he then raped her and then he drove her body to a canyon where it was found months later. So um, when she was found, she was found with other victims of his. Um, but sadly, she had obviously decomposed being exposed to the elements too too far to be able to do any sort of testing or doing swabs to 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 prove rape but we know that he actually raped her how do we know that um because that's what he did that was his mo okay so when we look at the the other victims yeah when we look at the other victims we can go back and 
and see that there were a lot of the same protocols followed, which would have included the rape. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the second victim. Well, the second victim, uh, she was 19-year-old Marianne Saris. Now, she was abducted and killed while she was hitchhiking just two weeks later on December 6th um, in, in 1976. And like the first victim, she'd been shot in the head after he'd picked her up and she had been raped once she was dead. And, the, and what about the third victim? Uh, the third victim was 21-year-old Patricia Laney. Now, she'd been on her way to the dentist when she was picked up by Christensen. So she, you know... These girls have an agenda to get somewhere. It's not like they're just, oh, you know, I'm wild and free and going somewhere. This girl had an appointment. She was expecting to be picked up by a nice guy that was going to drop her, you know, a couple of kilometres down the road. And this was only um, about four weeks later on January 18 in 1977. Her body was actually found near the first victim, Jacqueline Rourke, um, in the Refugio Canyon. And like the others, she'd been shot in in the side of the head and then she'd been raped because uh, she was found closer to her the time of her death. Uh, it was able to determine that she, she had been raped and so it was easy to suggest the others had been raped as well. But then he went quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, this case is huge. We have three girls killed in about eight weeks and so they're desperate to find this killer because all the girls that had disappeared all looked quite similar. Like, like Ted Bundy's victimology, uh, Thornis Christensen was looking for you know girls with the long hair and they were pretty and they were, and they were all college students. And so well, he, he was he known had as the lookalike killer, right? Yeah, yeah, purely because these victims looked alike. They they could have been sisters. A lot of people said, you know, they had the same color hair, same build, same taste in clothing, and so that that, that sort of added to the pressure to find this killer because girls, you know, started cutting their hair. They started, you know, going in crowds. People didn't want to be the next victim of the lookalike killer. And actually at the time, Christensen was actually arrested for underage drinking. So while the police are looking for him, he's actually arrested and in the car they find a pistol, Mm -hmm. which they don't even realise is linked to the murders. They don't even check it. In fact, they give it back to him. Wow. And so, you know, you know, so he just... So he's had a close call. Yeah. Which makes sense why he would stop for a bit yeah well he did he he fled from california and headed to oregon and he started to get his life back together he 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 lost the weight and then he's he actually begins a relationship with a woman that he'd actually picked up hitchhiking oh considering what he's done with other hitchhikers yeah wow the difference that lady's life could have taken Mm -hmm. now his next victim luckily survived yeah, well, on April um, 18th, 1979, so like we've gone over a year and a half later, um, Lydia Preston was uh, picked up by Thornis Christensen while he was looking for another victim. And he actually pulled the car over and shot her like he'd done with, with the others, but she survived. And she actually um, broke out of the car and collapsed onto the sidewalk and was able to be rescued by people, and she was taken to the hospital and and survived. That, so that's it's amazing. quite shocking. Um, and so he was freaking out then, obviously, and and he went to ground, but not for too long. Yeah, because she didn't rest, did she? 
No, no. She decided that she was going to keep looking for him once she was alive and, 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 and back out. And she was only in hospital for, I think it was two weeks. It was absolutely shocking. She'd been shot in the head. Um, mm. and, but she actually went around to the areas where he had picked her up and looked for him. She was sure that she'd be able to spot this tall, blonde, tanned guy um, from a different country. Like So, so Shay was out there. And on July uh, on July 11th that year, she'd actually spotted him at a bar and rung the police and police turned up and arrested him and he was charged with the assault of her and then released on bail. Oh, my goodness. There is a twist to this when Monsters Who Murder serial killer confessions returns. The twist and what happened next and how he was eventually caught. We'll be right back. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So you're probably thinking it's about reading, writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime where you wouldn't expect to find true crime in schools. Yes, schools. You will hear tragic stories about murder, abduction, school bus hijack, student disappearance, suicide, kidnap and ransom, a school camp tragedy, the list goes on. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, then Apple for the Teacher is for you. So join me as I present the bad apples. But until then, remember to be a good apple. These interviews are a little different. Let's go for it. Let's cut some throats. And they are very, (laughs) very honest. And I do believe that that was the real beginning of us breaking up. It's a celebration of media with tall tales you have to hear to believe. Simon used to fly up into a rage. Join media executive Rob McKnight for a brand new podcast where you never know what will be revealed next. McKnight Tonight, part of the TV Black Box podcast feed. So as we were just saying, Amanda, Lydia Preston had accepted a ride from him, had been shot in the face, survived, jumped out of the car, he's got he sped off. She's come out of hospital. She's identified him when she found him at a bar. Called police, and then he was charged with assault and released on bail. Now, unfortunately, before she could identify him, he killed his fourth victim. Yeah, so while she was still in in hospital, um, Christensen actually killed again in May 1979. A 23-year-old Laura Benjamin was killed after being picked up by the lookalike killer. 
And it would actually take several months after his arrest that her murder was added to his charge sheet. So um, when her body was later found, because it took quite a while to find her, because he started to hide them better. Because when the last victim had survived the attack, he knew that he ha he was getting close to being caught. And as we know, two months later, um, Lydia had spotted him and, and had told police. But uh, with uh, Laura, she, she was hidden for so long that they didn't actually realise that she was one of his victims until quite some time. The police, though, having let him go, continued to investigate Christensen and they actually realised the attack on Lydia. It was similar to the other murders. They finally put the pieces together. Yeah, so they, they realised that they had had the killer in their grasp like they had arrested him and charged him but they had let him go so they didn't know what to do because they kind of guessed but they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him on these cases so they actually just sort of kept an eye on him and finally they were able to arrest him for the case and then as we said that uh they added laura's um body to the count once they found her now, when he was arrested, he was, earlier we mentioned he had picked up a woman hitchhiking and they had developed a relationship. She claimed he could not be a killer. It really has to be a hard truth for those who find out they're in a relationship with a serial killer. You know, you have not seen any signs of that side of their personality and this is someone you're intimate with and you must believe that you know them better than anyone. It's 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 like the ultimate lie, you know, and, and it's something that's really hard for many of these people to reconcile, um, that the man they love is a monster. I mean, there's very few who actually know or even suspect their killer, their partner is a killer. I mean, the only one that actually comes to mind to me is Eileen Wernos's girlfriend, who some actually alleged that she was actually part of the crimes because she was actually seen at some of the crime scenes. So, mm. um, you know, but some say that, you know, that their partner was cruel or, or was mm. controlling and things like this, but they never believe that it goes beyond that. They think that maybe they're just a bit of a bastard, but they don't think, my God, they're a killer. But, you know, of course, then there's people like Ted Bundy's girlfriend who did ring police and say, look, I think you need to look at my ex-boyfriend Bundy. Um, he might be the serial killer that you're looking for. So there is a few, but it's really few and far between. You know, we, we look at like the wife of Dennis Rader and Gary Ridgway and they had no idea. They, they find out later that you know, that they brought people back to their own houses and kill people mm. in, in their own houses. And it's quite shocking that they have to live with this. And it, it makes them not only question their love for this person and, and knowing these people well, but also how well they know themselves. You know, their how can judgment. you be so fooled? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when Christensen was arrested and charged, he was ready for the lawyers and police when he went to trial in 1980, wasn't he? Oh, he certainly was. You know, like so many before him, he tried to plead insanity as well as not guilty. So he put in a double plea. So what this means is that he didn't know what he was doing, but he was driven by desire to have sex. So by pleading not guilty as well as not guilty by reason of insanity, yet there had to actually be two trials in two separate motions. Is that right? To prove, yeah. So they had to prove not only that he wasn't guilty, but that he wasn't guilty because he was crazy. So... It really, really, it was a long, drawn-out process that they had to go through and there was, you know, very hard burden of proof and all of this. But it got so hard and so convoluted um, that the, like, the court-appointed psychiatrist said he was totally sane 
and there was nothing that they could do. And so he said, okay, I'll change my plea to guilty with diminished capacity when the trial finally opened in March 1980. So he just did this great big backflip, basically. Well, he was sentenced in May 1980 to 25 years to life for one of the murders with additional sentences for the other murders, but he wouldn't even serve a year. No, well, as uh, as we said in the intro, um, in March 1981, he was in jail, and and he he was in protective custody for quite a while because let's face it, he sto- he was killing young girls, so mm. you know it was just sort of a, basically a hate crime that he was definitely going to be targeted for. So in Folsom Prison, which is a very famous prison, um, he was stabbed in, in in the chest. Now he was just walking around the exercise guard. Uh, he was just walking around the exercise yard. It was about 1 p.m. when an unknown prisoner came up and stabbed him. Now, he um, collapsed in front of the guards um, and there was a 10-inch shiv that was hanging out of him that was pulled out and he, he died pretty quickly afterwards. Of course, as Aren't in you not any... meant to pull it out? Like, Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, of course, with, with Any advice like to this... the people listening to this podcast, yes. if you are stabbed with a shiv... Don't pull it out as much as you want to until you can seek medical attention. Yeah, and and then we can get into the whole Steve Irwin thing. He did the same thing and he might have saved his life air if he didn't pull out the stingray barb. But we won't go there. Mm. Um, But, of course, with with a case like this, there was no witnesses, even though there was about 50 to 60 people in the exercise yard. No one saw it and no one came forward to help with any of the (laughs) official inquiries. So his murder remains unsolved. Yes, yes. Of course, they know exactly who who's done it, mm. but they will never be able to prove it. Justice, justice is sometimes served in prison. Well, Amanda, that's been another fascinating case. Thank you so much for that. Uh, our summer series will continue in a fortnight's time, as we always say, though. Patreon subscribers will get them straight away as soon as they're mixed. The next one's probably being mixed on the plane as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to get those early, just go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. Amanda, thank you very much. Okay, can't wait to see you when you get back. I'm looking forward to it, although I'm looking forward to just hanging out in the US. Uh, We'll see you (laughs) soon on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.